Hello world and welcome to Podcast in A Minor, where I bring you the weird little songs I write and then give you the stories behind them. Weird stories, creepy stories, funny stories, whatever the world gives us in all its glorious mystery. And now for today's opening song. Welcome to Podcast in A Minor. I'm Amy Zollers, a poet and an artist, and I'm in one of my moods. You just heard Hungarian Puzzle Box on the Taylor Gemini mini acoustic guitar. Whoops, another love song. That was not my intention. Must be the February curse. I had three other songs going on the burners of the mind, but this was the only one to leap out fully formed or close enough a songwriting phenomenon mentioned in the last episode. Sometimes it goes that way. Anyway, let's smash into some lyrics. In my Hungarian puzzle box, I keep the gray shadows that encircle your eyes. Ain't that a wise way to go about it? I'll visit them later on my way to paradise. In my Hungarian puzzle box, I store the marshmallow snores of your afternoon sleep. Sweet rhythm to the songs of the galaxy. In my Hungarian box, I keep... I don't always know the right thing to do in these situations, no savoir faire, but my treasures go in the box behind the lock with its secret key in an unseen lair. In my Hungarian puzzle box, I stash your songs and the hurricane lamps of your eyes and your clever ever after forever just waiting in there to hypnotize. In my Hungarian puzzle box, I keep the gray shadows that encircle your eyes and your marshmallow snores when you're sleeping, your scissor-cut pizza and trail mix heaping. In my Hungarian puzzle box, I keep the magic of your musical hands and your beautiful soul, poetry, and your heartbeat. In my Hungarian box, I keep your beautiful soul. Wow, that's a load of words. And this is a delightfully raw version, I'm calling it. I ran through the song a few times within hours of writing it, took a short little break, and during that time, my nose just blocked up and my throat got phlegmy. Beautiful. It's fun being a human, right? It is. It's glorious. 
but that crud wasn't going to make the musical sound I was going for. So I embraced the good enough take and I dig it. Which also gave me the opportunity not to overthink pitch and perfection and polish. The three Ps, if you want. I'm all for pitch, but perfection and polish bug me, obviously. I'm sure I've said so, and that's partly absolutely because I'm hard-pressed to achieve them, not being Jesus, not prioritizing the equipment, or yay, not having any patience for that. And also, I'm kind of more of a folk style anyway, more immediate. And there are times when, after too many takes when recording, the urgency and vigor can just fall off. We're not having that. Anyway, I prefer to do my own stunts, like Buster Keaton. Wait, did that even follow? I, he just popped into my head, so I'm sure it was for some larger cosmic reason. Well, let's talk about puzzle boxes. Okay, let me tell you about my Hungarian puzzle box. I bought it at a market stall in Keste on Lake Balaton in Hungary, summer of 1996. I was 21 and working as a missionary. As summer missionary gigs go, this one was hard to beat. Eight weeks in post-communist Eastern Europe in a resort town, giving young people the chance to practice and learn conversational American English. Many of our students were obsessed with Baywatch. They were in high school and college, some of them on their way to the military soon, or to a real hectic exam they take at the end of high school, encompassing all that they learned the entire time. Panic! Well, there's much to tell about that trip, of course, but probably better to let it out as spontaneous anecdotes across many episodes. I'm sure I've already spoken of Tokorito Ne, a Hungarian hip-hop rap hit of that summer, by a duo called The Animal Cannibals. Link in show notes. Caution! The album did have a parental advisory sticker on it way back then, but it's all in Hungarian, so if you don't speak the language, it probably won't matter. That's a catchy number. The title, Tokorito Ne, translates to Cleaning Lady, and the video is hilarious. It was a big hit in the summer of 96. Same summer, I bought that Hungarian puzzle box from a little old lady at the market stall. She had a table full of them in all different sizes and colors, locked wooden boxes, and if you pointed to one, she would show you how to open it by sliding a panel, then sliding another panel, removing a panel to reveal a hidden keyhole, and sliding out a piece of the box to find a key hidden in the end of it. I bought one of the bigger boxes for myself, stained red with flowery carvings left pale and natural. I also bought smaller ones in oak stain as gifts for family members. And you know, I think maybe I'll do a video where I show you how to open my Hungarian puzzle box and I can reveal what physical treasures I store inside of it. Then I'll put it on Instagram and I'll put that link also in the show notes. Puzzle box history. Here's the Bing blurb. Goes back to the 1800s. Puzzle boxes were first created in the 1800s in Hakone, Japan by three gentlemen named Okawa, Okiyama, and Kikukawa. They were originally created for workers who needed to safeguard their tools. Each box required a set of twists and turns to open, and the trick was to determine the correct set of movements to open a specific box. Puzzle boxes were later produced for entertainment and as tourist souvenirs. And here's a brief extension of that from Wikipedia. Puzzle boxes produced for entertainment first appeared in Victorian England in the 19th century and as tourist souvenirs in the Interlaken region in Switzerland and in the Hakone region of Japan at the end of the 19th and the beginning of the 20th century. Clive Barker's horror novella, The Hellbound Heart, later adapted into a film, 
Hellraiser, followed by numerous original sequels, centers on the fictional Le Marchand's box, a puzzle box which opens the gates to another dimension when manipulated. And finally, in the 2023 film Puzzle Box, a woman retreats to a house in the woods as a last-ditch effort to end her drug addiction. Her sister goes along to document her detox on film. They settle in, get to know the house, until the house begins to change itself drastically, reconfiguring itself like a puzzle box, creating bloody specters, confusion, terror, and self-doubt in parallel to drug addiction itself. Sounds deeply unsettling. So let's lock up that puzzle box and move on to Dark Circles Under the Eyes. Someone on Quora asked, why do I find eye bags and dark circles attractive? I did not pursue the Quora answers. I have always found dark eye circles attractive. They're intense, vulnerable, and mysterious. What is going on there, friend? Why aren't you sleeping? Are you a tortured scientist? A tortured poet? Are you kept awake by persistent ghosts? What kind of tortured soul are you? Oh, that would make a real boss jump rope rhyme. What kind of tortured soul are you? Or, or, I have it, in the classic style, begin with ruminating over ice cream flavors to serve the rhyme. Chocolate, vanilla, wild strawberry, what kind of tortured soul will you marry? Poet, villain, painter, drifter, deaf composer, sleepwalker, psychopath. And just repeat that nimble string of tortured souls until the jump roper misses, sealing their fate. And go ahead, just try Googling best dark eye circles in history and see if you get anything at all helpful. Apart from the terminology, paraorbital dark circles, all you get are treatment options. Sad. Paraorbital dark circles can result from heredity, exhaustion, allergies, eye rubbing, sun exposure, and so forth. They're not always related to illness, but they have been tied to a French phrase, joli led. And here's a definition from Oxford Languages. Noun, a woman who is attractive despite not being conventionally pretty, also known as pretty ugly or beautiful ugly, something like that. Joli led, there it is. Interesting that it just applies to women here. Hey, chicks look great with eye circles and I wish my own were more assertive. But when I first noticed them as a sexy feature in my teenage years, I was extremely boy-focused. So I always think dark eye circles, hot thing on a guy. And so speaking of jolie led, how do you say guy led? Just like that. Coined it. Future song, guy led. Let's run with it, songwriters. Guy led, troubled head, mystery, poetry, peril, ecstasy, a wine glass of shimmering dread. Boom, there's verse one. Well, let's explore two of the ultimate bearers of heavenly eye circles in cinema. We must, of course, start with Cesare, the sleepwalking murderer in the 1920 German expressionist masterpiece, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Look, he's a somnambulist under the spell of a madman, and our narrator is unreliable. Cesare is done up like a real goth dish, bedhead, bangs all over his forehead and his eye circles are painted on opaque and black in the typical dramatic excess that makes German expressionism so thrilling. So he's kind of a babe really, but also a murdering sleepwalker. Also it's 1920 when responsible citizens went about in ties and suits and hats and wingtip oxfords. Cesare would have been an alarming sight to his contemporaries. 
especially at night, which is exactly when he prowled among the towering, off-kilter shadows, committing his murders and carrying slain women off into the darkness. Still, I have a theory that he inspired the Beatles' signature haircuts. They were first given those haircuts by Astrid Kirchherr, a German art student in photography. She would have been focused on photography, and the cinematography of Dr. Caligari is legendary, with its towering off-kilter shadows as mentioned. My simple logic is that she was German and arty, and probably familiar with the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And my final argument, she knew the Beatles in their Hamburg days and gave them those haircuts. Easy leap. Similarly, we look at The Mad Ghoul, a 1943 American film summed up at TCM.com. Grave robbing, desecration of the dead, sacrificial blood rites, inhuman experiments, and murder are just a few of the grisly ingredients of The Mad Ghoul. And another brief synopsis from IMBD, a university chemistry professor experiments with an ancient Mayan gas on a medical student, turning the would-be surgeon into a murdering ghoul. That's a pretty good summary, because in the movie, poor Ted, the medical student, does get turned into a murderous zombie who also robs graves at the behest of his evil master, much like in the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. But there are a lot of twists and turns. Ted will come out of his ghoul state only to relapse if something shocks or disappoints him. It's kind of a long, wild ride. I watched it on Sven Gulli years ago, and I remember thinking, Wow, that ghoul is kind of a cutie, with his disheveled hair, distracted gaze, and magnificent eye circles. A moment later, Sven Gulli interrupted the movie to say, Wow, Ted actually looks cooler as a ghoul than he did before the experiment, or something like that. Agreed. But as with Cesare, it was 1943 when your average citizens were careful about their appearance when going out in public. The sight of Ted would have caused them every kind of shame their mothers had warned them about when training them to always comb their hair, wash behind their ears, and never to rob graves and all that. That seems like a suitable ending. It was a wild ride, just like the mad ghoul, all sprung from an accidental love song that burst out complete while I was trying to take a nap. Quick note, my most beloved does nonchalantly cut pizza into slices using scissors. How's that for the coolest kitchen improvisation? I agree. Thank you for listening. See you next time. And magnificent eye circles. <coughs> Holy shit. Must I, must I, the encyclopedia neurotica. It's my rule in the